Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Three, two, one. You got a mullet. <laughs> just just, you got to see the face. The face is fucking turn, next turn level. Turn the camera around. Turn the camera around. Turn it around. So why do you turn away? <laughs> Ready? Three, two. Down a bit. Down one. a bit. Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates review and discuss the movies that mean the most to them. Okay, well, hello there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again. It's Born to Watch time. I'm Whitey. I'm your host for this week's episode, live from the Panic Room. This week, we're going to be discussing the 1989 Patrick Swayze bar-fighting, bouncing, epic roadhouse. I'm being very careful about my premature adulation, so I'm going to play the cards very close, and I promise this time I'm going to. And I'm just going to let my thoughts of this movie just evolve naturally. Mate, this movie comes right in the middle of the sly Arnie battle for tough guy supremacy. And Roadhouse introduces us to a smaller, smarter, philosophical, college-educated, deadly weapon in Swayze's Dalton. Tonight, as always, joining me is the team. And in the panic room with me tonight is the number two, the G-Man. How are you, mate? Really good. Great to be back in the panic room and looking forward to delving into a bit of Swayze. Yeah, Swayze, he's the man. And live from Noosa, Morgs. How are you, mate? How shit were Manly last Friday night? Yeah, Manly weren't great. There's no doubt. But we're moving on from that and we're going to concentrate on the stuff that really makes us happy. Okay, so we're really excited this week because we've actually started to get a bit of traction and getting some uh, reviews come in, which is very exciting for us. And I know that Gao's got one, which has come especially addressed to him, and I'd love for him to uh, to start off with the first review for tonight. Go for it, Gao. Mate, I've got one in from super fan Andy Marsden. Champion bloke, great bloke. He's come in with awesome podcast, mate. Listened to it twice already. He loves the songs. He said, how are you going to top those songs? You're going to need, I said to him, I'm going to, I'm thinking about this afternoon. You're going to need more than an afternoon, mate. We are expecting big things from you. You need to prove your position in the panic room. Yeah. It's going to be tough, Gal. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. I'm a little nervous tonight. I, I can't lie. Yeah. I was very nervous last week. It was, there's big shoes to fill. Don't want to read my tombstone is a classic, instant classic. Born to be my pussy is going to be more the cult. I think it's going to get some traction later on. Or born, born to pay to be, for pussy. Born to be my pussy. <laughs> you were born to be my fucking pussy. Fucking hell. All right. Well, born to be my pussy. We'll start to get some traction. It will take a bit longer. So you think it's going to be like the guard? You're going to have to listen to it a few times I think, to let it, let it sink in? I think so. It's a slow burn. It's a bit it's like a I, had a, I had a couple of comments on it, and I, I had to explain that you were singing from the character's perspective. So I don't think yes. people understand that when we're when we're writing these songs, it's, it's all about being either from the character or about the movie, it doesn't necessarily represent our thoughts on the particular no. movie or the particular song. So Yeah, c- no, correct. I, th- I thought it was great. Great song. Yeah. Thank, Looking thanks. forward to the G-Man. Just, yeah. You're just the vehicle. Just the vehicle. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I'm just a vessel. I'm just the vessel to get the word out. Okay, so we've got, a, we've got another review, and this one comes from Sergeant Swatcock, and it's, uh, it starts with loving the podcast. To say it's the highlight of my week is not far off the mark. Fucking funny, but a great show as well. Listening to you guys jibber is amazing. And he's given us five saluting emojis. So thank you, Sergeant Swatcock. We appreciate that so much. Thanks, oh, mate. Boy, Keep listening. 
I'm going to get you beer at the Columbia next time I see you, fella. <laughs> no doubt. So, Gal, tell us about Roadhouse. All right, here we go. Patrick Swayze stars in this sexy, violent, tough guy thriller from the producer of Die Hard and The Matrix. Co-starring Ben Gazzara, Kelly Lynch and Sam Elliott, Roadhouse delivers no-holds-barred action that pushes the envelope for high-octane thrills. Swayze is Dalton, a legendary bouncer who comes to Jasper, Missouri for a special purpose, to restore order at the notorious Double Deuce Bar. In one spectacular fight scene after another, Dalton rids the bar of thugs and henchmen, but when he runs afoul of a ruthless crime boss, the stage is set for a blistering showdown that will only leave one man standing. And who would that be, do we think? Here's some taglines for the movie. I want to hear your guys' thoughts, and maybe maybe some of the listeners want to give some thoughts. Here's four of the taglines that I found for the movie. Enter at your own risk. <laughs> Second one. It's last call for action. <laughs> That's good. Here we go. Dalton lives like a loner, fights like a professional, and loves like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say fucks like a panther. <laughs> and finally, the dancing's over. Now it gets dirty. Oh, that's good. That's real good. What are your thoughts? What do you reckon, Morgs? Which is your favourite, I like, Dan? I, I like the last one. Uh, I think the, the, the two previous ones were shocking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the last one at least it's trying to harness the power of the Swayze, which was pretty much peak peak Swayze we are in in – what, not an 89? 89, yeah. yeah. So it was, what, two years after Dirty Dancing? So they were really trying to I, leverage look, off that, I think. I, I I agree. I think that this is peak Swayze. This is him and his element. He, he goes on quite a tear uh, through the 80s. And I I guess I'd known Swayze from The Outsiders and Red Dawn, but he and, – and I didn't pay any attention to Dirty Dancing. It wasn't my kind of film. I know Gout's one of your top six. And but it I didn't really register with me and it sort of annoys me still to this day. And I probably only know the one line that nobody puts baby in the corner. But man, the guy could dance. The guy's got some moves. Yeah, he he's certainly got he's, it. He's equally at home, kicking ass, jumping out of a plane. Taking names. Take yeah, kicking ass and taking names, <laughs> jumping out of a plane, or dancing or singing. And that leads me to Swayze is the owner of probably my second favorite karaoke song of all time. She's Like the Wind. Yes. One of the greatest yeah. 80s power ballads ever to come out of cinema. He's got, Amazing. He's got some pipes. Mate, no can, doubt about it. He can wail. Yeah. What do you reckon, Morgs? What, what are your thoughts on Swayze in the, in the 80s? It feels like so 87 for Dirty Dancing. 89 feels like a bit of a, like a rest. I don't know. Did people, did people wait a bit before they did another big film uh, back in the day? Or was it just a, a quirk of, uh, of the timing? Because I think Ghost was, what, 1990 maybe? 1990, yeah. Yeah. 90, yeah. And so, and then Point Break was 91? 91. Yeah. 91. He's on yeah, a tear. So, He's really on mm, a tear. There's some great flicks there. When was Youngblood? Because I really like Youngblood. Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze, ice hockey players, a sport close to me and G's heart. Um, yeah. Uh, Youngblood like, Young was 86. Yeah. I was gonna, yeah. 86, okay. Yeah. We're gonna, great movie. We're definitely going to cover Youngblood on Born yeah. to Watch. Yeah, definitely got to. It's in the top 176 movies on my list. So it's, it's not. Gonna, it's in there somewhere. Definitely Excellent. is. <laughs> this is good because we've kind of gone into the film stars, but guess where Patrick Swayze got his start? Oh, tell me. He starred as Ace Johnson in a movie called Skate Town USA. Oh, what do you reckon that was about? Skating? 
1979, a movie about a roller disco showdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Xanadu. That would have been right. Yeah. That would have been in the Xanadu hater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Nice. Mate, Very roller funny. discos were the tits. I, I remember when I was, I grew up in Melbourne. You guys might remember me from, from Melbourne but shit. We used to go every birthday. We used to go to a place called the Skate Ranch, and it was it was it was roller skating, not inline skating, which became a a, a popular fad for me and G a few years later. But uh, yeah, we, it was awesome going to the uh, to the rink and strapping on the skates, going into the the you know get summon up the courage to go into the speed mm. uh, the speed run, and uh, yeah, roller skating was was good fun. Yeah, mate. When I lived in Radelaide. 1980, we um we had a place called Downtown. There was a place called Downtown, and we used to go roller skating in there. Yeah, I, I've never roller skated. Big men you, don't do well on roller skates. I haven't. I'm yet to master many other disciplines that I've tried that encounter balance. You really, you really <laughs> didn't get on the wheels, did you? No, nah, I was not big on the wheels. Skateboards, roller skates, you know, ray, roller blades. No, nah, not for me. I've had enough time snowboarding. I've, te- I've torn my asshole about seven times snowboarding, so can't imagine ring what stinger. I would have done. On- yeah, I was the king of the ring stinger. There's no doubt. Oh. Sloan Nixon looked at me on the on the uh, merits chairlift in hysterics as I tore a new asshole. But anyway, look, there's no doubt about Swayze. He was the quintessential '90s movie star. Men wanted to be him, and women wanted to be with him. There's just no doubt. He was a sexy dude. He was 37 when this movie was made. He doesn't look 37 in the movie. Sam Elliott, who we'll get to, he was 45. He's a bit Wilfred Brimley. Yeah, he was a little bit. Yeah. He, he was always looking old, wasn't he? Yeah. But yeah. you're right. This is right when he hit I mean, yeah, he was in Red Dawn, Young Blood, but then Dirty Dancing led to Roadhouse, Next of Kin, and then Ghost was his massive before his big we break get, there. Before we get to that, let's listen to the trailer. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is dog. I thought you'd be... Bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't! Don't be rude! Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? The worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. <laughs> You guys tired? I'll get all sleep I need when I'm dead. This is my town. I'm not afraid of him. I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> get your hands full, kid. I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. For that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. Okay, boys, what a trailer. Uh, Dalton definitely kicks ass and definitely loves like no lover has on a veranda roof. And that's what we love about him. 
So let's talk about the ratings on IMDb for this one. 6.6 out of 10. Made a shocking 37% rating on the tomato meter. What? Yeah, I think that's low. I think that's low. But a 66% audience rating, which I think is probably more like it and right in line with the IMDb rating. Look, it's obvious that this is the kind of movie that critics would detest, I would say. And it was actually nominated for five Razzies, as I'm sure Gao's got some stats about that later on. But anyway, look. Are we critics? Oh, uh, we're getting there. I think we're getting there. We're laymans. What do you think, Dan? Are we critics? I don't know. We, we can be critical. I don't know if we're critics yet. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, just, just curious. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, look, we can be whoever we want to be. This is a participation ribbon. I think that 1989 was an interesting year, and I know we're going to get into that. But, Gal, why don't you tell us about the cast? Well, we've sort of gone through Patrick Swayze already, so yeah. we'll go straight through to the others. Kelly oh, Lynch. Yep. Oh, you had you want to go? No, no, no. But we'll get we'll go more back on Patrick. But let's get into Kelly. Well, Lynch. Let's talk about Patrick first, then. No, no, no. I just wanted to mention Still Dawn and Salute of the Jugger, two of the great oh, movies of all time. Salute of the Jugger. Salute of the Jugger is one of the great. Which one's Still Dawn? What, what's Still what's Dawn's the one? one where he's like he, no, Red Dawn. No, no, no. no Still uh, Still Dawn. He sort of plays like a cane out of kung fu character, where he's he's walking the wastelands of a Mad Maxish sort of land and you know, dystopian future and. He's a he's a sword for hire, and he's he helps to fight off the the bandits from this farm. It's fucking terrible, really? but it's great. It's so bad, but I, mean, I remember Salute shot. of the Jugger. Oh, I haven't mm. thought about that movie in years. I love that oh, movie. Oh, mate, it's a great movie. Rooker Hauer, yeah. Jane Chen, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. It's all star. It's all yeah, star. That was a good good movie. movie. Yeah, really good movie. Anyway, let's get let's get back into it. Gal. Sorry right. for that. Kelly Lynch, mm. first big role in Cocktail as Kerry Coglin, mm. Brian Brown's wife. And then drugstore cowboy after that, Curly Sue. Not a lot of not a lot of roles after that. Not a lot of big roles, I should say. Don't know if you guys have anything else on her. Yeah, look, Kelly Lynch looks amazing. She's a gorgeous looking lady. But as for acting, we're gonna get to her in the categories. So that's probably why there wasn't a lot of stuff afterwards. And I've actually got a very funny story about Kelly Lynch in listen to this. Okay, we'll leave it for that. But here's here's a little note for you. Annette Benning actually had this role. Did you know that? Yeah, that's in my listen to this. Oh, well. But that's a good one. Yeah, she got fired from the role. She had no chemistry. No chemistry. Yeah. yeah. With Swayze. How does that happen? Well, I think Swayze would have been slaying anyone. So the fact that he had no chemistry is scary. Yeah. So I like Annette, Annette Benning. Annette Benning is uh, the second most knock-kneed actress that ever existed. I don't know if you've ever seen her movies, but she <laughs> walks around like she's just this pigeon-toed freak. And that the actual, she's number two, and she's number one to Laura Dern, who if you ever see her and they have a, uh, a wider shot, she, her knees are just cracking together and uh, her toes are uh, rubbing against each other. So there you go, kids. Excellent stat. Excellent stat. True fact. True fact. True fact. But here's a fact. Kelly Lynch turned down the role, the Sharon Stone role in Basic Instinct. Oh, really? Yep. Good career move. Yeah. But it did nothing for Sharon Stone. <laughs> did nothing. And yeah, one more. She's um, married to a guy named Mitch Glazer. Yeah. Loves to glaze. <laughs> Is that his surname or his profession? <laughs> Plim, send in and tell me what you think, whether his name is his... Surname or his profession. Thank you. Who have we got next, Gary? All right, on to Sam Elliott. Now, we've talked about we Sam love him. Elliott before. We love Sam him. Elliott is awesome. This is the movie where I first 
saw Sam Elliott. I yeah. think he's unreal. I think all the lines says this movie are great. He nails this role. It's right. Well, it's right in his wheelhouse. Oh, it's an Elliott staple. This role, yeah. Miho. Oh, Miho. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um. I mean, and he's well, he's well, been that, a lot of things. He started in Butch casting the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Look, we've been over. We've been yeah. over Sam Elliott a million times. We love him here on Born to Watch, and I'm sure we'll be doing some more movies with him in it. Who else we got? This is a this is an interesting cast list because it seems to drop off now. Yeah, it does drop off a little bit. We've got Ben Gazzara, who plays the bad guy, Brad Wesley. Yeah. Been in, he was in The Big Lebowski. He was Jackie Treehorn. Remember Jackie ah, Treehorn in yes. The Big Lebowski? Yeah. Great yeah. movie. The, I love The Big Lebowski. Yeah. That'll be done on Born to Watch. Yeah, I like it. It's very, very different, but really liked it. Yeah. He's in Summer of Sam, The Thomas Crown Affair. And we also have Kevin Ty in this movie, a favorite of mine. Mate, and mine. Yeah. Start in Emergency. <laughs> One of my favorite shows as a kid, playing firefighter Roy DeSoto. Loved it. Along with Randolph Mantooth and Johnny the, Gage. One of the greatest names in Hollywood. Do you think that's his real name? Do you think that's his stage name? I don't know. It's really cool, though. It's a good name. It's a good name. Yeah, I love that show. Rampart. Mate, I had Rampart all the hot, I had the hot Wheels toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trucks, yeah. yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Good then we get down to a few others. We've got Marshall Teague, who played Jimmy in Roadhouse here. He'd been in a couple of TV shows. Now, I've got a question for you, Gow, because I remember when we did the Thing podcast and we went through Keith David's biography yes, and yes, he yes. said that he starred in Roadhouse. So I paid extreme attention to this. Now, Keith David's name is in the opening credits and he's in one scene. Two scenes. He, does he speak? He does, only in the background. Mate, he and doesn't have and, a line. And this might this might get to the point where we say, is it a cameo? Morgs, you're the authority <laughs> on this. Let's get, let's well, wait. Yeah, yeah. I think well, this will probably come up later, but uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but there, there's a story behind why Keith David is so high up in the credits, but so low in the screen time. Okay, excellent. Well, let's leave that. Let's leave that. Okay. Right. Well, okay. Then, then we're going to. Oh, Julie hang on, Michaels. hang on. Marshall, Marshall Teague, though, we didn't riff on him enough. So, yeah, yeah let's de- let's de- definitely has a great line in the movie, which again, I think we should probably leave because it's that good. But uh, he was also in a, a movie we were riffing on last week, Armageddon. Yeah, he was mm. Colonel yeah. Davis. Yeah, he's the he, and he has a pretty good line in that. It's a it's a bit of a miracle. Um, fuck yeah, line when they <laughs> they're gonna do the uh, they're gonna do the slingshot around the moon, and he uh, he tells the crew that uh, they're gonna be at twelve G's for four minutes. So suck it up. And it <laughs> definitely definitely sounds pretty cool when he says it. But he doesn't have a lot to do in that film other than look tough. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a bit parter. He's a bit parter. Old Marsh. What's up, Gal? Who's next? Well, that's really. I mean, we've got Jeff Healy. Jeff Healy. Yeah, we're going to bring him up in. Yeah, we won't go too far into him. But but look, that a cameo. He was already famous as a musician. Yeah, Morgs. Nah, it's not a fucking cameo. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) What about Terry Funk? Well, I was hoping you're going to mention the Funk Master General. Mate, how good is he? Great wrestler. Loved him in the early days of watching the WWF. What would have What would have made this movie even better if he wore his tights? Yes. Yeah. As a bouncer and just funked people up. <laughs> he was good in this. I loved him in this. Yeah, he was good. He was good. He gets shafted pretty quickly. Yes. You know, Dalton obviously didn't watch the WWE in the early 80s. Didn't know what he had. Anyway. But, yeah, that's really it for the cast. I mean, it's sort of – it's that, a pretty thin Brad, cast. What was Brad – Brad Wesley's – what was it? Brad Wesley is uh, Ben Gazzara. Ben Gazzara. So – you reckon he knew the director or the producer or the executive producer? Because when you're thinking of villains, Shit I don't villain. know that a, a, a four foot eight knee high boot wearing midget 
is really who would be your go-to. Yeah. I mean, there, there were some yeah. pretty badass uh, villains available in the 80s that, that could have done this film a great justice. So I was that's, that's one thing that's confused me the whole time is how Brad, yeah. how Brad Wesley, Ben Gazzara got a, got a Guernsey for this particular gig. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I've got a, I've got a bit about him in uh, in Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Mate, he came up the hard way in Chicago. <laughs> he told us. But uh, but that's why he got Jimmy. That's why he had Jimmy in there. Oh, Jimmy. He's number one. Fucking hell. But, yeah, so anyway, that, that's really it. Then we then we sort of hit all the cast there, So and then we're into the uh, the director and writer, if you want to go through yeah. that. Yeah, well, the director didn't do much, really. Did Striking Distance, didn't he? Yep, 93. Yep. Repo yeah. Man. And that was I didn't really like Striking it. Distance. That, that's Bruce Willis and yeah. uh, Sarah and Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker, yeah. that was Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's he, he, plays, he plays uh, Frilzy, Water Rat. Yeah, he's Blims, Water Rats. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Frilzy. I, 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 think, um, I think the biggest name there is probably Joel Silver as a producer. Yeah. I went back through Joel Silver. How many movies Mate. he has produced? So many. Yeah, he's a squillionaire. Oh, he, he did, in the 80s and 90s, Brewster's Millions, Xanadu, 48 Hours, Weird Science, Commando, Jumper Jack Flash, Lethal Weapon, Predator, Action Jackson, Die Hard. Yeah. No, he was almost on every third movie that was ever released through the 80s. Ford Fairlane. Appar- apparently oh. quite quite the fuckwit by uh, all reports, Joel Silver. Really? He was uh, well. I, I don't know if you know, but he's he's been sent up in celluloid on several occasions. But two that come to mind are uh, Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder, created by Tom Cruise and Ben Stiller, yeah. was apparently uh, modelled on Joel Silver, and also Lee Donovitz in True Romance uh, was also uh, based on Joel Silver. So two two roles: one an agent, and one a, a film producer who were uh, pretty much just knobheads. And uh, yeah, basically Joel Silver was. Uh, was was mined for a lot of the traits of both those characters, apparently. Really? Yeah, I think there's a lot. There were a lot of those '80s producers ended up being cocks, didn't they? I did like Tom Cruise's Les Grossman. That was a good role. Yeah, that was yeah, he, really did, he did really well there. Very funny. Yeah, that but, was the turn. That, I think it was a bit of a turning point for Cruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He showed his chops there. Yeah. But um, yeah, Joel Silver. This is his only production with MGM. Um, he had deals with 20th Century Fox and Warner Brothers, but this is the only movie he did with MGM. So the gross of this movie. Was thirty million in the US and thirty one million worldwide for sixty one million. So, as a movie, it was considered a bit of a flop. Yeah, from from that perspective, but it got really successful on home video. Yeah. So, in hindsight, it, it actually went really well. But from what did know, over over two hundred million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the home theater home releases. But uh, you know, compared to other movies at the time, it, it didn't do so well. But uh, well, nine eighty nine was cracker. An absolute cracker, like one of you know one of Morgs's favorite movies. Batman come out in nineteen eighty nine. Obviously, top the gross. Oh, we saw that. We saw that at Colorado we Cinema. Welcome to Batman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Roy, Roy. Starkers. Yeah, Roy Absolutely. still going strong too. Singing, I see, singing, singing Elvis, during the week. Yeah, singing Elvis songs in front of the Elvis movie at Warriorwood Cinema. Oh, nice. One of the best. Yeah, no, some some cracking movies. What else came out? Gav? the top three is are all. Eight out of ten movies. I got Dead Poet Rain Society. Man, yeah, Rain Man. Rain Man yeah. came out. Yeah. Rain Man came out. Uh, Rain Man was one hundred and thirty nine million. Dead Poet Society two hundred thirty five million. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade one hundred ninety one million. Born on the Fourth of July as well. Lethal Weapon two. Yeah, there was a lot of good right. movies. What have you got, Whitey? Ghostbusters two. Yeah. When Harry Met Sally. 
Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Oh, shout goobs. out to the Goody. shout out to Goobs and loving real movies. That there's, there's one you're going to bring up that I think is going to hit the airwaves soon. That came out in '89. Oh, it is. Yeah, definitely. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Major League. Yep. Major League. Well, actually, yeah. Spoiler alert. That is coming very soon. Uh, the it's Abyss been requested. It has been requested by many, actually. For Morgs, Beaches, I also... Uh, <laughs> was that Bette Midler? <laughs> Bette Midler and uh, Barbara Hershey. Oh, wowzers. Uh, and, and I tell you what, a, a really sleeper, which I think we probably will do on Born to Watch, which is Black Rain, which is Ridley Scott. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas, Andy Garcia yeah. in Japan. It's yeah, great I remember movie. that one. Good Mate, it's deep, man. It's 89 is deep. Mate, Tango and Cash. Yeah. War of the Roses, Mississippi Burning. Yeah, good movie. Weekend of Bernie's. You know, it's just, it's it's a big lockup. Tango and Cash. Like, it's the year just, it's a deep year, 89. So there's a couple we missed that, that got the awards too. So Born on the 4th of July got a Best Director for Oliver Stone. Driving Miss Daisy Yep, came out. So Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Screenplay. Uh, My Left Foot, Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. Wouldn't um, be able to do that nowadays. Uh, for, I, I've never seen it. Never mm. seen that movie. But yeah, Best Actor he got for that. And, and Glory came out as well. Denzel yeah. Washington. That's so a good he was movie. best supporting actor. Yeah, Glory. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Well, the in, sequel's in better Glory. though. The sequel to Glory's better. Yeah. What's it called? G- Glory Hole. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> is that down at the Narrabeen Tram Shed? That was where it was filmed. It was filmed yeah. down at Narrabeen Tram Shed. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we got anything else? Well, I think oh, we're I just think, about I done for 89. What, what, what were we doing in 89? Well, I was I was thinking about that. So I was you know, I was 14, and, and this is a movie, obviously, this movie was rated R, so there's no way we saw this in the cinema. But we do have a story, I believe it might have been the first time that we saw this movie, that I recall, and we saw it at Morgz's house. But we did. Not sure if that was the first time, yeah, but we definitely watched we it definitely there. We definitely watched it at Morgz's. This is definitely a video watch for us. I'm going to run with this, this story as being the first time we saw this movie on video at Morgz's house. And we also had a fourth person in tow. Who was that, Dan? Yeah, I think my brother Matt was there when we were watching this, and uh, yeah, I quite vividly remember him sitting on the couch. And he's a bit younger than us, so uh, he was uh, even more uh, uh, shouldn't have been watching our flicks at the moment. But yeah, yeah. He, he had a particular strong reaction to one scene, <laughs> if I remember. A very strong reaction that saw him up and out to the toilet. Very funny. And he, very so I spoke. Funny. I spoke to him. I think we both spoke to him about this recently, and very he recently, yeah. vehemently denies the fact that yeah. uh, during the Swayze and Kelly Lynch scene, uh, when up in uh, Emmett's uh, barn, yes. when she nudes up and he nudes up, uh, he vehemently denies that he cracked a fat and had to run off to the bathroom well, to, well, uh, to I see actually, what was going on. And I think this is a really good segue to move into the good, the bad, the ugly, because. I've got in good, and let's start the good, the bad, the ugly. It's going to segue on from this discussion about the nag-nag. But this sex scene with Kelly Lynch, it's probably the first sex scene that I saw that made me feel things. It was very risque for me at 14, 15. It made me feel things that I wasn't quite sure what was happening. And I'm fairly certain the same thing happened to Matt Morgs. He just didn't know how to control it. But what a sex scene. Like, Kelly Lynch's peak performance. And she's full nude. Yeah. Like, full. I, I, I'm watching that today. I watched it this afternoon. Like, she, pretty presumptuous, I must say. She turns up. She's got no underwear on. She's got no bra on. 
she's got the same do as Patrick Swayze, but it's blonde. It's effectively the same hairdo. <laughs> just Patrick Swayze's run on the bob. She's running the long look. But it's pretty presumptuous, and and you see everything in this scene. Yeah, it's all out. Yeah, but you know, I like it afterwards. You know, he gets he gets out on the on the tin roof on yeah. the balcony and just sits there nude. Well, you're on the land. Is that what you do? You just you just get nude on the roof. You do. Well, if he had done. a roof, he would. If he had a the roof, la- he'd be nude on it. The last time that uh, I got nude on the land was actually at Whitey's Bucks Day in on Hunter Street <laughs> in Newcastle, and uh, I think we both did. Yeah, after the debacle that was the golf game and uh, the trillion beers we had. Yeah, I just remember sitting out in the awning of the Ibis on Hunter Street. On Hunter indeed. Street, yeah. Just just, just, uh, just, just, contemplating my place in the world like Patrick Swayze does. Didn't have a bunger, but uh, yeah, I think it was, it, it's definitely something that we do out on the land is, is we nude up on the, on the awning and just think about our place in the world. Yeah. Because I know that you're a big fan of the Nude Starfish Clubby, Morgs. I mean, you introduced us to that. Does that, that happen is, on the land? It's uh, No, that doesn't happen on the land. That's definitely in the olden days before Zoom and COVID when you used to have to travel a lot for work. That was after a big hard day when you'd come in, order room service, of course the club sandwich, nude up, lie on your hotel bed and the Nude Starfish Clubby. It was, it was a big part of my life for many years. But uh, no, de- definitely not something that happens on the land these days. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll take your word for it, Dan. Of course it doesn't. No, of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. So another, a couple other things I've got for good. I'll, I'll roll through this. Swayze. He's so fucking cool in this movie. He really is. The, the philosophical bouncer questioning his place in this world, very similar to Morgs pondering his, his place in the world up on the land there. And, and Swayze's, Morgs is a, a 2022 version of Swayze, I think. He's so good. And Well, you being, know, mate, as a philosopher, pain don't hurt. I mean, Pain that's as philosophical, philosophical as you can no, get. It, 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 you're right. I think that having experience, Gal, you and I having experience as being coolers as well, he's a little subtle for my liking. I, I didn't meet many bouncers that were as philosophical as old Dalton in the short tenure that I had as a cooler. No. When did, Be when nice. Did, when did you start your cooler career, G-Money? Oh, I started up here on the GC. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. I did not, did I? No, but back on the back on the plains in Canada where I started my career. I remember, I, yeah, a couple of couple of young bucks at uh, had left Australia to find their fame and fortune and uh, me and the G Money ended up at a at a ski hill in Canada and uh, looking for work. It was pretty scarce at the time, and uh, and yeah, I, I believe that uh, you were a, you were a cooler at our local watering hole, the Gum Barrel Saloon. I was a cooler there, and everything was pretty cruisy. I had it under control. I was a bit like Swayze, yeah. had it all under control. And the first night I worked, I had to kick out two people, and one was my boss, and one was the guy I was travelling with. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I took. I t- I'll tell you what I'm... Actually, gonna... sorry. I take it back. I didn't have to kick you out. I had to stop two fights. I had to stop two fights. Not really? kick out. I had to stop my boss. Yeah, because he raided someone because they were smoking a joint in the place. Yeah. And the other one was somehow Morgs. Because he was smoking the joint. <laughs> I think that might have been... But uh, no, Morgs, it was Morgs, Morgs who never gateway. gets in trouble, somehow got into a rage with the guy and I was like, what is going on here? Look, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a podcast where you guys don't suck each other's dicks about how many fucking travels you've done, right? I wonder when that's going to happen. Uh, I tip, think tip not soon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, I think I think the intro the intro. (laughs) Hint: It'll be at least another 150 episodes. Okay, okay, excellent. Well, I can't fucking wait for that. I can't wait for episode 162. The intro to Dalton is awesome. We know exactly what he's like from minute one in that shithole bar that he's in. The bandstand. Yeah, this is a shithole. Jesse's works in some shitholes. But my favourite part, the loft. His loft is fucking awesome. Yeah. But I'd need to take about 30 Clarentines to live in that place. Oh, yeah. How do you live there? It's just amazing how it ended up straight across the river from from Wesley's house. But anyway. Morg, you got anything for good? Uh, I was, yeah, I just. I was thinking back to what is the most enjoyable part about the movie for me, and I, I just like it. It kind of just rolls along, and the stakes increase a bit for 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 Swayze as we get through, and it, it's pretty comical. But uh, no, I, I just think the the overall viewing experience for me for this is 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 a good. You you don't have to think too hard. It's uh, pretty enjoyable. With the uh, the certainly as the years have uh, have flown by. There's a couple of scenes where I'm a bit more critical of than I probably was in 1989. But, uh, yeah, just the, the whole experience of watching this, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree more because I think uh, it is a lot of fun to watch again. Gao, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it's good to watch. I my, my good is, one, love Wade Garrett. Love the character in there. He's really cool, comes in. Broken. Yeah, got the bad knee, but uh, but has some really good lines in there. I like that character. My other favourite thing was Swayze's fashion. Did you notice his fashion? And he's po- he's on point. In in the first scenes when he's at the bandstand, he has the white pleated chino style pants on with the blue tight shirt. Yep. Solid eighties, solid late eighties. Again, we're going back to pleated pants. It's a big yeah. favourite of yours, Gary. Yeah. I loved his. He goes full JCVD with with the shirt off, doing the yoga, and the tight Botany Bay traders on. I'm, I swear they're Botany Bay traders. There's no doubt. Do you reckon I think that's got, why I wore them. I think that's why I wore them. Do you reckon they've got chlorine stains on the legs, Gow? I'd say so. There wasn't always chlorine. No, it never was chlorine. Wait, but the best was when he when he go and he wore it a couple of times when he goes into Red Shop, and he's got the white shirt on. And is it just the tuckable one? It's a tuck. It's like no a buttons. it's a karate top. Yeah. It's like a karate top that, yeah. that's got no buttons that you yeah. you pull over the top and then you tuck it in the pants. Yeah. The best ever. Well, great. you've got to be comfortable to wear that. Like yeah. that's you, you, you're pretty happy with how you look to wear the 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 no button tuck in. Yeah, he's pretty good. The karate jacket. Yeah, yeah. So that that were my that was my good. Yeah, yeah. The the good is I think in general is just the movie. I think it's a, it is a fun watch. I think there's going to be some bad and there's going to be some ugly in this movie. So I'm gonna st- I'm gonna start with bad. Where the fuck are the police? There is not one policeman in this town. Like. Wesley can't be running everything. Has he paid off every copper? There's murders. There's attempted murders. There's bombs. Where are the cops? Someone tell me. There was literally not one cop in the movie, was there? There was not one cop. I thought about this too, and I think they they do – I mean, it's a big plot hole, but they do address it in the script. So they they do say – that Wesley has essentially bought off all the sheriffs and all the marshals, and I know yeah, you're experts they on do. the I get that. Ring the yeah, fucking it's, FBI. Yeah, it's no, you're right. Like it's a massive plot hole, but they do attempt to uh, to smooth it over by saying, "Oh, well, he's paid them all off, so there's no, there's essentially no law in the town except for Wesley himself." But yeah, it is very strange. And, and like, and even like Wesley weaving down the street in his fucking car, 
See, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm like, I've, I've come heard, on, mate. I've heard that the, the, you know when you're too young to drive, when you're either singing like that or making the gear noises <laughs> yourself when you're driving along. So either singing a song or going, eh, 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 that's when you shouldn't be yeah. piloting. You were a big, you were a big Peter Brocker. You made a lot of noises when you drove more. You were shit. Anyway, it could be anyone, but I'm just yes. saying that uh, I've heard yes. that that's the case. Yeah. And, and are these the nerdiest henchmen in the history of cinema? Like none of them look like they could punch their way out of a paper bag, except for the head one. Oh, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy's the only one who looks fit. The rest of them just look like accountants. Terrible, and... terrible Terry Funk, though. He was pretty good. Mate, they look he like they're knocked around the... a lot. Yeah, but they're either accountants or they're eating the profits at Brookvale Maccas. Oh, there was tinker. Lurch. There was, there was the tinker. big guy. Oh, Tinker. <laughs> Poor old Tinker. Mate. Okay. Any anyone else? Mate, the bad I've got I've got the fighting. Some of the fight scenes are, are pretty bad, was, especially Swayze's ones. I was going to ask but, you, so with Gal, with your with your 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 expertise in this film, like what? How do you rate eminent, the martial arts in general expertise. in this in this film? And and what do you think of the fighting styles? Well, it's no Kyo Cushion Rau from Sensei Mike Greville. <laughs> what was he, Gal? He was my Shidoshi. <laughs> we just lob him up. And you knock them the fuck but, uh, out of the park. It's it certainly it certainly wasn't it certainly wasn't great. And there's a few roundhouse kicks where they go that get about half a foot off the mate, ground. The roundhouse kick in the final fight where he's fighting Jimmy. Yeah, mate, it, it sort of it's a, it's a knee sweeper. Yeah, was And Jimmy Jimmy it, throws a couple of those too. But, but I did you, I did. Sorry, go Morgs. No, I was going to say, but you read about this film, and apparently the 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 martial arts coordinator on the film, Benny the Jet. He actually raved about Swayze's skills, but I, I didn't see that on the rewatch. I was like, "No, eh, I agree." I know, his his roundhouses, especially. I mean, it, it what, took about yeah. thirty seconds for him to get well, that uh, that leg around. Well, there's a reason too, because I, I read when I was researching this that uh, that uh, the director actually wanted it to be a little bit like that. He didn't want it to be like yeah. it wasn't supposed to be full on. It was supposed to be a little bit like not quite right. But yeah, he said mate, that after the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After he had it. After but the mate, film premiered, he goes, No, no, guys, I wanted it to look shit. I, swear <laughs> to I thought it was Eric Banner. I thought it was Eric Banner in the castle out there. It was oh, Eric Banner doing in the his castle. roundhouse kicks. Yeah, they were complimentary. Hold yes, it still done. They were they were for free. <laughs> Are we gonna cover oh, the so castle? Oh, I think oh, we're gonna have to. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna niche our demographic right down there. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, G Man? No, that's it. Now, what about you, Morgs? I thought that the overall just a, it's aged pretty poorly for the the fashion at the time. So it's certainly, uh, although I'm a, a, a proud purveyor of the mullet to this day, it definitely the uh, the hair is is particularly stands out as terrible. And apparently Swayze hated his own mullet during the filming, and that's gone on record uh, and saying that this was by far the worst hairdo he's ever run in a film. So He wore it, it was, well, though. Yeah, it's, killed it. This is the thing. So I'm torn because I quite like it, but I can understand how it uh, it, it definitely has aged. And, and also I, I was shocked that Sam Elliott was actually 45 years old in real life at the time of filming. Yeah. And so I, I, and, and that's a, that's an age that's in the rearview measure for, for review. Review. <laughs> that's easy for you to say. That's, that's an age. <laughs> That's an age that is in the rearview mirror for us. 
And uh, yeah, he he looks a lot more than forty five. He's Wilfred Brimley's brother, but just yeah. the, he yeah. didn't have the mo. I thought back that he always yeah. had that mo, but he yeah. didn't have it. No, he, he had, had he had the, the stubble, stubble, but yeah. but not the mo. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. Look, I got one last thing for bad: the monster truck. Oh, fucking hell! Were they a thing? Did people own monster trucks? No, they just threw that in there. Like it's it's like let's have a monster truck so we can run over ten cars and be badass, like. There were a couple of times in this movie where I found myself shaking my head involuntary. Have you got that in the bed, though, that when the monster truck goes over all the cars in the, the car lot, there's no roof on them? So they've actually taken the roof, which you don't really notice, but it's in there. Mate, <laughs> there's no roof on again, the place. where are the fucking cops? Like he's, so that, he's knocking down a building. And also, every single person in the movie's there at yes, that time. Yeah. Like they're all apparently there. There's 40 people in the town. They're all at the car yard. Yeah. Except so no what cops. About our, what about our Jeff Hurley, how they, they dragged him along to all these things too? What do, what do you think his take was on that particular scene and everywhere else they dragged him to? He had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I thought that was bizarre because I, I, I enjoyed his character and I liked that he knew he could smell Wade Garrett. That's how he knew he yeah, was in the yeah, bar yeah, and he knew yeah. Dalton's voice. But, yeah, I was confused as to what his take was on the monster truck, <laughs> drilling it at the Ford, uh, the Ford dealership when he wasn't seeing a whole lot of that particular scene. I find his character, I understand why he's there, but to have a blind guy being the guy that is the exposition guy, it's a bold move. Sure, his talents, though. Jeff, Loved his Jeff music. Healy, did we know Jeff Healy before this movie? Or I don't think so. I reckon we were introduced to Jeff Healy in this movie. Because he was, I, think I reckon, I, about the same time he released an album that what it did it played pretty well. And I remember yeah. we knew of Jeff Healy and the Jeff Healy band. But I think it, yes. was, it seemed to it seemed to me to coincide the release. I think it did. I think it probably music. did. I think it probably I think we'd heard the name. He obviously had had some name out there, but we didn't know of him. But then he was in the movie. Yeah, because we yeah, were good, right. Good Not eighty nine. This was Aerosmith Pump. This was yeah. Doctor oh, Feelgood, mate. Motley Crue. Yep. This was yep. you know this this was Bon Jovi. Um, uh, New, New Jersey. New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. This so oh. we we were the greatest right album of all time. That's right. We were into our hairband at the time. Big time, big time. Jeff Healy was he was in the mix at some. I don't. I can't remember a single from him, but I remember he was around at the time for sure. Yeah, Mate, I think we need to do a podcast on whether Bon Jovi New Jersey is the greatest album of all time or Slippery When Wet. Which one? Which one is the greatest album? <laughs> I think it's New, I think it's New Jersey because out of those two, one of them is the greatest album of all time. No, Doctor Feelgood's you. the great. Doctor Feelgood's the greatest. Yeah, it's oh, album good. of all time. Pump, yeah. Pump's the greatest album of all time. Oh, you okay. Pump. Oh no! You like, you also love poison. Oh, I was a big say, poison oh, guy. What it was it? Hurry up and say. Open up. Oh. Open it? up and say. Open up and say. Ah, oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a big poison guy. Skinny pop. Hey, they were good. Poison were good when we saw Motley Crue when Vince Neil nearly had a heart attack on the stage. Yeah, but you also thought oh. Coolie High Harmony was a great album. <laughs> Although no, no. we've come to the end of the road. End of the road. So are you oh, doing are you doing boys to men or are you doing you and Lawrence Wong at the uh, at the <laughs> look, <laughs> tom- tom- tomato tomato it was year twelve farewell and I had to stand in the middle because I couldn't sing and dance I just had to stand <laughs> and hold the mic anyway so let's slip while we're on that good segue into ugly Kelly Lynch terrible 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 actress Jennifer Jason Leigh and her in the title fight so far in Born to Watch for worst performances in a film. She's shocking. Looks amazing. I don't believe there was any chemistry at all. That was it. I don't know how there could be. She was shocking. She looked amazing. She was shit. There, I've said it. Thoughts? Excellent. Nothing. 
Then Brad Wesley, is there a shitter, evil, maniacal kingpin than Brad Wesley? No, this this was hard to take. So, hey, Brad, especially looking back at this flick and seeing it in 2022, it was it's very hard to feel that someone just didn't take out this midget man very early on. He didn't didn't exude a lot of villainy nor um, menace at all. And yeah, I, I was unimpressed with his 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 role as the. What the about antagonist. the brown boots? What about his boots? Yeah, the, but the boots were especially poor for me. I, and I hadn't noticed them, I think, until this watch. And when I, I agree, saw, I hadn't noticed them before. No, and they were like knee-high brown boots. But they like, were with, yeah. no, no, but they weren't knee-high. If you wore them, they'd be ankle-high, right? It was. It was knee-high like, on him. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't so. think he commanded the bad guy, did he? He wasn't really. No. A threat. he didn't come across as a threatening how guy. Would, he had the right amount of sniveling he, wanker. But how what about the cast? stairs? I've got no idea. They must have been short. There must have been thirty. 3,000 other movies that needed villains, and he was three, 33,001. That's so he, he is so bad. The, the staring. So when something would go wrong, just the, the, the stare. It was almost it almost became a montage, his stare. Yeah. It was pathetic. And he's fucking at. Give me a break. Damn you. Damn you, Roadhouse, and your pathetic villain. Anyway, anything else for ugly? The blondie seemed to love him, though. <laughs> My- Oh God! In this in this woke time, owning women is so bad. Is so so bad, and she is pathetic. Mm. Pathetic. Yeah, not good. Pathetic. Anything else in ugly? No. Okay, you morgs. No, nah, that's it for me. Okay, I just got one thing to finish on. What's the time frame of this movie? We've had this before in Born to Watch. What's the time frame? Because. They do a Renault on the double deuce overnight, it would seem, because Dalton's still got the staples in his side. What's the time frame? Does do, like, are we in a time machine here? What's the go? Yeah, it's yeah, it very to happen hard pretty quickly. Time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've, is it, it a month? It's very quick. Is it two weeks? Is it yeah. three months? Who knows? Like we almost we blink and then the double deuce is. Well, the that's, Newport uh, Arms. That's the thing. You go from a scene at the start when there's all the barbed wire over the front and they're throwing glasses at the Jeff Healy band, yeah. and then in the next, you know, the next time they come back, it's gone. So they're sort of, I, I think they're, it's an assumption there that it's taken a little bit of time, but now they've got, they got the chicken wire off and things are he's coming on back. Some, he's on some good freight for 1989. So if I was Big Dalton, I'd be, I'd be stringing it out as long as yeah. I can. My five, my five gorillas uh, signing bonus and then 500 yeah. a night, and yeah. also you're going to pay for my medical bills. That's, that's good wedge Mate, at any time, let alone 1989. Absolutely. And that gets me to my final point. He's paying a hundred bucks a month for that joint, right? At the end, why, why blow up the house? Why not blow up the fucking barn with Dalton in it? Can someone explain strange. this to me. Yeah. Also, how did he get the motorbike over there so quietly and then took off on it when Dalton heard him? No, like, no, that's funny. He was it's really funny. He was, he was Martin Riggs, Swayze. Yeah, running after the freaking motorbike and doing the leap. That was Martin Riggs. That's a good scene. Come on. I enjoyed that. That was good. Well, yeah, it's not hard to be good in this movie. I'll give you the tip. Okay, so I think we're done with good, the bad, the ugly. You're kind of hiding your adulation very well here. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Sometimes it's just hard. I wear my heart on my sleeve. So let's move into listen to this. Now, Gal, you've hit us with a couple already. What have you got? My first one is Roadhouse 2. <laughs> 
2006. Yeah. That's a long time between drinks. Jake Busey, Will Patton, and Jonathan Skak. It was released then. I've never heard of it. No, I knew there was a. I knew there was a straight to DVD or straight to video release, and have refused to watch it. So I think there was going to be a couple of reprised roles, and then a couple of people went, "Yeah, that's not what I'm going to do." No, I can't imagine anyone wanting to. But there was a 2015. There was going to be a remake with Ronda Rousey. Yes, and she was in it, and then she lost, had a massive loss to Holly Holm in the UFC, and then that kind of canned it apparently. So that was on the cards, and then there was another one. Well, there's another one at the moment with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, really? Yeah. So 2021 is in discussions for another remake, but I don't know in these uncertain times where that's gone. Right. So, okay. Morgs, you got any rumours? Yeah, a couple. So uh, you mentioned Keith David earlier on, who we all love. um, Gravy. Everything is gravy. We've mentioned him on this podcast before. But, yeah, it was really amusing to see him build quite high in the credits, but then to feature in literally one scene. And apparently all his scenes were cut. And um, the, the actual... The, the, this movie originally was about three and a half hours long, and they had to get the trimming mm. shears out pretty heavily into it. And it was, it was thank fuck heavy. for that. Yeah, but Keith, so Keith David had a had a whole plot line where he came into the bar with his girlfriend and got into a fight with some rednecks, and Dalton kind of clocked him as "You're pretty good at fighting. You should have a job here." Type thing. Mm. And that that was his part of the movie, but because it was cut out, it just looks ridiculous that he's billed so highly and then literally I think he hands Dalton the phone or maybe hands him a drink and that's the that's no, the yeah that's he, the yeah, makes him a coffee. Part. Yeah. Makes yeah. him a coffee and then in another scene pours a drink, I think. Yeah. And he's they they, 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 they call him by name too. That's the thing. They call him by name in it. You're like, well Keith. he's not really yeah. No. Craig. So, they call so him Craig. No, his name's Craig. <laughs> he's he's still got I reckon he's still got a bit of freight out of the uh, out of him. Oh but, no uh, doubt. But no, and it wasn't just him. There were there were heaps of scenes that was cut. Wade Garrett had a lot a lot more scenes where he talked about the love of his life, which is one of his tattoos, Rose, and there was yeah, a whole, whole heap of stuff. It's really interesting on the line if you have a look. I, I was checking. I actually out. probably He's, wouldn't mind revisiting a three and a half hour Roadhouse with a bit of extra. Would, uh, it'd be I I'd, I'd give that a crack. There would need to be a couple intermissions. Yeah, but, you know I'd give it a crack. Have we got anything else? Because I've got I've got a funny story. I've got one about the fight scene with, and I don't know if this is yours, with, no. with Swayze. Okay, so Swayze and Jimmy, or Marshall Teague, had to do that fight scene. It took them almost five days, or it took them five days to record that. They couldn't and, quite get the roundhouse kicks. Yeah, they? They, they, they struggled on the roundhouse kicks. They had to get Eric Banner in <laughs> as a fight coach, but they were exhausted apparently. And, and Swayze was carrying a knee injury, which made it even harder for him. But funny story was that he got a knee injury in filming, so he turned down the role of Gabriel Cash in Tango and Cash because he had the pre-existing knee injury, right? And he turned down Mike Harrigan in Predator 2. And then he said, oh, I'll make Ghost because it's a lot less stress on me to do that as his follow-up. So it actually worked out for him because Tango and Cash was a box office flop, although yeah. a great movie, yeah. box office flop, as was Roadhouse, but Ghost, Ghost was, immense. was huge. Yeah. And that was that was probably the peak of him right there so that's how it worked out yeah well things you know things happen for a reason don't they get yeah. hmm. philosophical <laughs> philosophical sure right? and i didn't need to do a degree in philosophy to know that right okay so here's my little tidbit so bill murray is best friends with kelly lynch's husband the glazer and every time they watch roadhouse bill murray rings the glazer and says to him 
Kelly's fucking Patrick Swayze right now. You should put the TV on. He's fucking you right now. He's got her up against the rocks. He's now got her on the bed. He's now got her on the roof every single time. And he sa- and Kelly Lynch says it happens regularly. I, I was cacking when I read that. That's awesome. Yeah, how Bill funny Murray is at that? his best. Bill Murray, just the king. Very funny. Let's move into uh, quotables. Uh, well, there's probably a few here. Morgs, you want to start? You got any quotes there? Ah, uh, look, I, I'm going to take the glory on this one just because it's 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 one that pops <laughs> up. I don't know why it pops up, but Marshall Teague, Jimmy, when he's uh, they're having the, the penultimate <laughs> fight with Swayze, and he's uh, he decides that he's got Swayze's number, and he says to him, "Dad, I fuck guys <laughs> like you in prison." <laughs> it's like. I, I don't know if it was one of the first woke statements in all of cinema when it, it sort of normalised prison relationships or it just came out of left field. And I, I remember thinking back in 1989, it was uh, it definitely got me thinking that I probably don't want to go to prison all that soon. But uh, <laughs> in 2022, I was like, wow, I mean, good, good for you, Jimmy. That's uh, it's, it's great that you can uh, speak openly about what you had to get up to in prison. But, uh, yeah, a bit, bit of a strange one there. Yeah, it... it- it made me laugh. Another another line where I chuckled out loud, and I, I did know it was coming, and so did Jimmy apparently. But uh, it was uh, it did make me chuckle. It did make me chuckle. Gay, okay, are you going to make? Oh, there's a couple we've already hit on. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Yeah. I like Tinker at the end. A polar bear fell on me. <laughs> yeah. um, Wade Garrett when he comes in and just looks at the pub and goes, the double douche. <laughs> My God, the man. Oh, mate, and and at the start too, when when they're trying to say how how cool Dalton is, he's like, when when Tillman says to him, "I got your plane ticket right here." I don't fly; it's too dangerous. When do I expect you? Don't. I'll be there. Oh, <laughs> it's mate. so bad. What about being called a cocksucker? Isn't personal? No, it's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. What if somebody calls my mama a whore? Is she? Yeah. <laughs> the 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 one the one that the nobody ever wins a fight is the moment that Doc falls in love with Dalton. Yeah, you can see it. He's he's won her over. It's just oh mate. What about Wade Garrett? You want to fight Dickless? Well, I sure ain't gonna show you my dick. Fucking hell. What about Wade Garrett again? That girl has entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. <laughs> What about old Red? Does everyone pay? Does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? <laughs> Look, it's one of these movies. You got any more, Gal? Because it's one of these movies. It's quotable every freaking 35 seconds, it would seem. No, there's oh, there's heaps in there. There's yeah. lots in there. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, nah, that's that's there's some of the better ones. So now it's one of the one of the uh segments that we've all been waiting for. I know Gal and I uh, have got our notebooks out. We've got our sharpened pencils and we're ready to learn because it's film school for fuckwits. Yes. So uh, I just, I was thinking this week, it was, it's a bit of a tough one because it's not exactly uh, something, a, a film that is revisited much by film students in, uh, in their four year degrees of how to make a good movie. Funnily enough, Roadhouse doesn't pop up that many times. But uh, I, I did, it did get me thinking about. Back to screenwriting and how you need to build the stakes for for your character and, and make it so that, that he's got something to fight for throughout. Because if you think about Dalton 
at the start of the film. So him and Wade Garrett, they're, they're coolers for hire. They go into these bars and it looks like they're cut and run whenever they can't be fucked anymore. And, and that comes up later on in the movie where Wade Garrett implores Dalton to, let's get out of here. We've had enough of this shitty town. But because the the writers have been able to build the stakes for Dalton throughout, it gives him a reason to stay. And if you think about a film like Die Hard with, with John McClane, so John McClane, he, he turns up at the Nakatomi Plaza and he's there to save his marriage. So he, he's he's been living in a different state to, to to his wife, and he's there for the Christmas party. But really, he's just to he's there to to try and um, rekindle his marriage. And through the film, we just learn more about John McClane, and and he has more incentive as the film goes on to stay and help out, and ultimately uh, defeat all the bad guys in that film. And and it's 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 a bit more difficult in Roadhouse because he's a bouncer, so it's not like he's got a job where he's he's saving the whole town, but he slowly gets more ingratiated with different characters in the town and the stakes build so that he actually has something Does he to, though? to stay for. Does he well, though? This, so that's a very good question. And that was what I was going to say is that it, it it's it's very, very manufactured now. Like if you look at Die Hard, it kind of flows really well that, that the stakes there, he ends up, he, in order to save his ex-wife, he has to save everyone that's in, in Nakatomi Plaza at the time. But with Roadhouse... You can see how they're trying to increase the stakes, but really, if you or me, a Dalton or Wayne Garrett at any time, we're like, let's get the fuck out of this shithole, and we would have been out of there, but, like as if you'd give a toss. So it's uh, but it's not only that, not, but not only that, when he decides to fight fire with fire, he becomes the bad guy very fucking quickly. Like, yeah, Doc yeah. drops him in a fucking heartbeat. Like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah, like exa- this guy's exactly. been killing people for years, and I come in and save the day, and now I'm the bad guy. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit. He's got, a bit, he's got a bit of Jerry Boyle about him. He does have it's a bit Jerry Boyle. <laughs> so that's been anyway. Jerry. You can see with whenever you're right, whenever there's conflict in a story, you have to keep increasing it to increase the stakes to keep all, all the shitheads like us interested in the story. And yeah, in in Roadhouse, I don't know that they in, got it quite right, but it, you can see how it does increase throughout. What, the what film. could have in your eminent experience, Dan? What, what yeah. could have they done differently here to ensure that the stakes were consistently there for for Dalton no I, I think it comes back to it's a flawed premise for a movie like he's a, it's a, he's a bouncer at a at a pub and you two be, having been bouncers at pubs it's not like uh there's a lot of real to film around can't be saved no, no no it's like you, your nights are pretty much the same you deal with piss cunts you throw them out and then repeat like it's it's not like there's anything interesting happening but if you look at films it's why there's a lot of uh, there's always lawyers and there's always cops and there's always professions. Where you except think except that, in uh, Jasper, there's no fucking cops in Jasper. No, there's no cops, but uh, no, I, I think you're. <laughs> I think I think the entire the entire premise of the film is very difficult to build the stakes for, and and that's probably if if you look into it too deeply, that's where it becomes uh, apparent. That it's uh, it's a fun watch, but uh, you don't want to scratch too far under the surface. In some of your best screenplays, Morgs. Has there been any way that you've been able to to build the stakes with such poor premises? When I do my world building, my backstory can go back some 30, 40 years. That, that's why a lot of my projects right. are, are still in the pre-pre-pre-development because I'm still thinking about what old mate was doing back in 1972. So for me, I'll probably get my uh, my scripts through to the first read stage, probably, probably the late late 2030s because of how much backstory I put in to each individual character. And that's how you actually you are, You're an artist. Issue. You're a true artist. Well, he's, he's, he's George R. Martin. George R. R. Martin-esque. 
Do you think? Do you think some of your scripts will just save with your sweet hair? That's all. <laughs> and I could, I could recognise the hair as as a character in itself in these particular films, just because I have a fondness uh, for the, for that particular style in my own writing and my own style. I'm more about quality than quantity with my writing, and I think that that is not yeah. what the uh, the screenwriters I, of Roadhouse are about. I would agree with that, Daniel. You're definitely about quality and not quantity. Okay, so now it's time for Needle Drop. And what that means is that we are so close. So close. And I can see the tenseness building in Gao's jawline. Needle Drop. Morgs, what have we got? Well, I, I mean, Needle Drop this week. Of course, we had Jeff Healy and the whole Jeff Healy band just busting out tunes the whole time, which which was enjoyable. And again, uh, Jeff Healy was someone who... We, we definitely remember from the time as uh, as as being a part of uh, the, the the late eighties and early nineties, but also Patrick Swayze. I think you guys were singing about uh, why do you mention the second best ever? She's the wind. Yeah, but he wasn't. He sang in my that. Trees. He sorry, he sung that for the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, but he actually sang two songs in Roadhouse as well that you may not have realised. But there's a song called right. Cliff's mm. Edge and another one called Raising Heaven in brackets, in hell tonight. So, uh, yeah, Patrick Swayze, wow. a couple of need- needle drop moments and uh, not many, not too many actors that actually get in there and, and write and record tracks for their own movies, but Patrick Swayze was there. But, I mean, the, the music mate, throughout he, um, the song yeah, is enjoyable. He wrote, I think he wrote that Cliff's Edge one and he sang that, but, mate, he's got the pipes like we said earlier. He's got, he can sing. He can sing, man. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. What about, I, I really enjoyed Long Tall Sally at the start from Jeff Healy. Yeah, he, def- yeah. he liked to cover old Jeff Healy, that's for sure. Yeah, just took me straight back to Predator. Loved it. Yeah, I think all like I like Jeff Healy. I mean, the bed, his music was awesome, and his hair was even better. Thanks to Swayze and a couple amazing needle drops there. But yeah, has got more. I, this is not a needle drop, but I thought I'd leave it in the in the music zone, and it's probably more a little listen to this. But uh, yeah, that's but I'll right. throw it in there. When Doc goes back to Dalton's bedroom and he puts the music on and he puts one song on and they go, yeah. oh, it's not quite right. Yeah. He puts on Otis Redding's song, These These Arms of Mine, and that music comes on and then he sort of starts stalking her down and then yeah. pins her against the wall. Yeah. That's the same song that's in When Baby Comes In at the start of Dirt, or in Dirty Dancing when she comes to his room. Right. Now, it's not the song that they it's, – it's on at the start and then they change the music, but that's actually the same song. Right. Yeah, look at you bringing the heat. I've, I've got some stuff. You've got some stuff. Here's one you're like. Stop dragging this shit out, Gal. I don't want to hear any more of this shit. It's now time for Stan Bush, kick-ass, credit song. Fuck your needle drops. It's now a born-to-watch needle drop time. I've got a couple more needle drops, though. No more. Nah, fuck your needle drops, Gal. It's time. Morgs, what about film school for fuckwits? You got any more about no, that? No, there's no film school for fuckwits. It's Stan Bush needles, fucking kick-ass songs, and it's Gal's turn. Take it away. All right, well, we'll see how this goes. There's probably going to few, be a few key changes, so that's all right. We'll just deal with it, and and the melody may flow, but let's get into it. All okay, right. here we go. What's it? What's it Luke, called? What's it called? It's called "You Got a Mullet." <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to be to the tune of a Stan Bush song. It's not. It's it's going to be slightly to that, and then it's going to take its own turn. I'm okay. telling you. Well, is it to the tune of "You've Got the Touch"? The first verse is. <laughs> All right, rock on! I can't wait. All right, you've got the mullet. 
You got a mullet, right? Oh, you got a mullet. Go for it, yeah. You got a mullet. Cause you're swayzy. You smack a few heads. The other bouncers are lazy. Staff are skimming the bar, selling drugs and don't agree. But Tillman put you in charge. He's the guy from emergency. Squad 51 available. And now you're running the double douche. Cleaning up the brawls and being nice all the time. Things are starting to work and Tillman's feeling just fine. Got a room in the barn, barely cost you a fucking dime. Then you got in a fight now. The hot dog wants to root you. Her ex-boyfriend's Brad Wesley. And he just wants to shoot you because his new missus wants to ride you too. You got a mullet. It's a great bull for that reason alone. You get to pound on the tin roof. And Wesley just looks in the dark. Watching you. Now Red and the crew are getting business shut down. Soon there'll be nothing left of this hick little town. Wesley thinks you'll leave because he's really scary. He didn't plan for you to stay and be his huckleberry. Jimmy had to go with an old move that you fear. Now he's clutching at his throat like he's Mog Skull and Cold Beer. He gets a cold throat. You got a mullet! Because you're Swayze, it's almost as good as the one on Jeff Healy. Yeah, you got a mullet! It's fucking nuts! It was as good as Wade Garrett till he got stabbed in the guts. Wesley took him out with Tales Never Fails that really sent Dalton right off the rails. Tinker got crushed by a bear. The cops, they don't really care. Nobody saw nothing. Yeah, you got a mullet. It's fucking mighty. Looks like Greg Highfield in the mid-1990s. But I can't make this joke on Whitey. It's really not fair. That guy never had any hair. You got a mullet. <laughs> It's a dad. Oh. Oh. oh, fucking God. <laughs> wow. What a Stan Bush kick-ass credit song. Everyone got to mention all the big players, including the Born to Watch team, including Harry Highpants Highfield. It was amazing, Gal. I don't know how we got there, but we did. I only took 76 takes. That was an effort. That was an effort to get through. Yeah, well done, Gal. I tell you what, you've really upped the game. That's left, I think, personally, it may have left both in their wake. Morgs, what are your thoughts? The phrasing, the syncopation, I just, I didn't know where it was going. It was like a system of a down song. It was fantastic. <laughs> Oh, my God. One of the greats. It's one of the best kick-ass credit songs in the history of Born to Watch. It's in the top definitely three. In the, it's definitely, definitely in the, in the top, top three. three. Yeah. Yeah. I told you the tune took on its own life there. Oh, I told did, you that. Did. It, uh, it was a Frankenstein. It was a Frankenstein. You've done well, Gow, mate. I know that was, that, was, that was hard for you, but I tell you what, you've crushed it. We expect you to up the game the next time you're around in three weeks' time. God, it's hard, to, it's hard to top that, but let's talk about Star of the Show. Morg, what, what are you thinking for Star of the Show today? Oh, look, you can't go past Swayze. He did, he did a lot in his, his, his pretty truncated film career, so he just had a, he had a moment when he was, like, king of the world. And this was, this was right in the, in the guts of it, and 
if if you you take if you look at this this movie too hard, then uh, or look at it in isolation, then I don't think you'd look that fondly upon it. But uh, as part of Swayze's comet-like career, I think it's just fantastic and so indicative of 1989 for me. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's all about Swayze for me for sure. Yeah. What about you, Gal? Love Swayze. Love Wade Garrett. Love the character. Yep. Awesome. He's my favourite. So you're going with Wade? We're going with Wade. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd love to say Keith David. I think he steals the six seconds of screen time that he's on, but I'm going with Swayze. Uh, Swayze was, is, as I said it already today, he's the quintessential 90s heartthrob, 80s and 90s, and he owns, he owns the screen. He commands it. He's a bit like John Claude where the camera loves him, and especially when he's doing slow yoga or pounding on a tin roof, the camera just loves him. So it's Swayze for me. Final thoughts. Okay, so my thoughts on Roadhouse. This is a tough one for me because this is a favourite and I found it a rough watch. I enjoyed it, but I'm going to be the bearer of bad tidings on Roadhouse and say that it wasn't as good as what I anticipated it to be. And I've probably watched this movie quite regularly. I'm not going to say I've watched it 50 times, but I've watched it a lot and I didn't enjoy it as much this time. I laughed a lot at it, whereas before I would be really into it. I will watch it again because I'm just that kind of guy. What do you reckon, Gow? I'll watch it again. I mean, it's something we've always watched, but I, I won't. I'd flick it on if it was on TV. I don't think I'd go out of my way to watch it. Yeah. It's just something that's probably pretty easy watching when you're on. Okay, Mork. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Roadhouse? Yeah, didn't didn't scrub up as well as I'd hoped. I, I do watch this a bit. We didn't talk about over-unders, but I, I would have seen this at least 25, 30 times. More, I, I reckon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this on, on the latest viewing, it, it, it didn't strike me as something I'm going to seek out a lot in the future. What are we rating this? Okay. So let's kick off with you, Noosa. And what are you giving? Well, I think we're going to rate it uh, torn larynxes. What are we thinking? Are we Sounds happy? good to me. I think we're going to rate it torn larynxes. I think that's a pretty easy one, to be honest. So what are you giving Roadhouse out of five in torn larynxes, uh, Morgs? Yeah, it's a, it's a two for me. It's it's not something that I'll be uh, be chasing after any time soon. I'm going to say goodbye to Wade, say goodbye to Dalton, and say goodbye to Brad Wesley. Uh, two out of five. See you, boys. It's been real. Yeah. Okay, Gal, what about you? Yeah, I'm bouncing into two and a half. That's it for me. Okay. Yeah, I'm giving it two torn larynxes. So that's six and a half. So it's 2.16 something, I think. And where's that going to uh, put? It's not going to be high. I'll give no, you the tip. I, I tell you what, this is going to, I think this is going to slide. This is going to slide right in. Hang on. Well, what have we got here? We've got Tombstone at three and a half. We've got Bloodsport at two and a half, 2.5 Kumites. And Golden Child at 2.5 Ajanti Daggers. So this is going to be just below them. Yeah. This is in bottom spot. This is in bottom spot. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and, and in hindsight, I, this is as good a movie as Golden Child. I reckon, Morgs. What do you think? You think yeah, this is on par yeah, with Golden I, Child? I, I, if you had, if I had to, if if I had to watch one or the other, I'd watch this before Golden Child. So yeah, I, I agree. May have been a bit harsh, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I th- but I think we might it, the because it was early on in the in the Born to Watch pantheon, Golden Child. That's maybe why we're a bit soft on Golden Child. I know I gave it three. I think so. Maybe in hindsight, no. But anyway, Roadhouse's number last. In the ladder. 
What are we watching? Morgs, what's, uh, are you still Better Call Sauling or have you traded up? I think you yeah, might have. I'm still Better Call Saul, but uh, Disney Plus actually reached out after last week's podcast and they gave me some advanced preview copies of a new series called The Bear, which uh, right. stars flip out of um, at a, uh, that that show with uh, Emmy Rossum in it that was went on for 11 years about the Shameless. Shameless? Shameless, yeah, shameless. So anyway, he's a, he's got a new series called The Bear where he's a chef taking over his brother's restaurant. They sent me a few preview copies. Thanks, Disney+. Plus. Fucking awesome. Uh, it's not going to be out in Australia till August 31st, but when it comes out, you should all watch it. Definitely get into it. But, yeah, better call Saul as well, which is awesome. Okay. What about you, Gal? I started watching The Terminal List. Now, I'm two episodes in. Yeah. I know you're a few more in. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Really like it. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's different to what I thought it would be without giving too much away, but uh, it's definitely a tense thriller. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right into it. Yeah. No, it's good. It's enjoyable. It gets better. There'll be a few episodes watched this weekend, I can tell you. Definitely, especially with the weather. Yeah. I went and saw Thor Love and Thunder, so I'm going against the norm. I went to the cinema and went and saw Thor Love and Thunder last weekend. Yeah. It's all right. It's Taika Waititi. I think they're jumping the shark a bit with the comedy side of it. But yeah, it's popcorn fair. It's if you love the MCU, you're gonna love this. If you loved Ragnarok, you're gonna love this. But yeah, it's just another MCU movie. And coming from me, who's a blockbuster lover, that should might say something. But yeah, if you have got nothing on this weekend, go and see Love and Thunder. It, it's enjoyable enough. Yeah. It's I know right. my boys went and watched it, and they weren't thrilled about yeah, it. But it's, it was it's okay. Movie. Just it's, an, yeah. just another in the franchise. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, uh, look, that brings us to the end of our 10th episode of Born to Watch, and that's gone so fast. This episode hasn't, but the uh, the journey has. Now, I'm very excited. We've had some uh, fans requesting some movies this week, and we've taken the job of picking one out of our own hands and giving it to the people. So next week, we're going to be reviewing 1989's Baseball comedy, Major League. I am pumped about this one. This is a big one. Love that movie. Yeah. What do you think, Morgs? You're pumped about Major League? Oh, sorry. Just got a guy on the other lines after a set of white walls, so uh, I'll have to get back to you. That'll be a yes. We will see you on the line. Born to Watch available on all good podcast networks. Please leave a review. And if you want to, you can message us on Born to Watch Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and you can send us an email at borntowatchpodcast at gmail.com. Please get in touch. We're enjoying chatting with the people. So until next week, it's ciao from me. See you, everybody. See you, team. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends. 